Praise the Lord and grateful for our Veterans Day this weekend. And as we celebrate, um, I would encourage you to go see a new movie that has come out called Midway. It is absolutely uh, riveting. It makes me appreciate so much and understand why Tom Brokaw called those men and women the greatest uh, generation. And we are just here today, absolutely here today, because of the blood and the sacrifice of those brave soldiers. I knew Midway was a big battle, but I didn't realize just how incredible it was because had the enemy captured Midway would be the launching point. The next, the next spot was Los Angeles and San Francisco and Seattle. And so what stopped them were our forefathers, those brave, brave men who were willing, and many of them did, pay the ultimate price uh, for our freedom today. So if you're a veteran today, God bless you. Fred Erickson, as I saw that formation, was that your group? That was the Thunderbirds, wasn't it? Amen. Appreciate it. That was my favorite. And the other one was the young lady, the army lady, sitting at the door. I don't know about you, but I would not try to go past that lady to get through that door. I mean, she had that look of, yes, you know, but that's what, that's what they do. Our, not only our... Um, our military, but also our, our, our policemen. Uh, people like that I, I appreciate so very much. They, they give up so much so that you and I could do exactly what we're doing here today. And I want you to know it's not lost on me. I'm eternally grateful for bravery, for courage, for people who are willing uh, to do the right thing in the face of tremendous um, danger, really, and opposition. Well, we're glad that you're here today. It's a wonderful day. As uh, Terry Hurt shared with you a moment ago, it's a day of worship, and we're glad to uh, be able to engage in the Word of God and the text and in the sacred elements and the bread and the juice that we'll partake of in just a moment. And my name is Danny Forshee. I'm the pastor here at Great Hills, and I want to add my welcome to everybody else's welcome. I hope by this time, if you've made your way out of the parking lot into the sanctuary, that you have been greeted multiple times because that's what we want you to know. We want you to know that we're glad that you're here most of all, we're glad that you're here so that you can come in and join in with us. It's not a spectator. It's not a show. Uh, this is a worship service where our focus and our attention, our devotion is upon the one who gave his all so that you and I could have the freedom and the joy of worship today. So today we're going to preach a message out of the book of Acts, but we're going to fast forward to the book of Acts chapter 20. And I have one passage of scripture I'm going to read. And the next time we'll go back uh, to Acts chapter 7 and continue our verse-by-verse -verse study. So today we are looking at Acts 20, uh, verse 35, and we'll read this text in, in just a moment. But think with me today as we prepare uh, for the Lord's Supper, as we think about all the gifts of God that He, that he gives to us. Uh, in fact, there's a wonderful text in James that I love. It says, what, you know, who is the source? Where? Do all of these graces, all of these tender mercies, all of these gifts that we receive, the gift of sunshine, the gift of breath in our lungs, the gifts us in America, all the freedoms that we have, who is responsible for all of these benevolent, gracious acts of mercy? And of course, the answer is our great God. In fact, James 1.17 says, every good gift, and in case we missed it, he's going to repeat it, and every perfect gift. And so there is no gift given to us that does not have as its source our great God. It says every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Our God is constant. Our God is awesome. Our God is in control. And do you know that when you want to get at the very heart and the ontology and the nature of our triune God, 
Our God is a God of holiness. Our God is a God of compassion. But I want you to have this thought in your mind today that our God is a God of giving. It is deep within the very nature of God to be not selfish or hoarding, but to be very generous, to be very lavish as He gives good gifts to us. And we are the beneficiaries. We of all people, especially in this great country, we see it firsthand. We may not always show appreciation and gratitude like we should, but deep down in our hearts, we know that all of these good gifts come uh, from our great God. And so what I want us to do today is I want us to focus in on the gifts that God gives us. And then the latter part of the sermon, I want to turn it around and say, what are the gifts that we in return can give to God? Because think about it like this. If God, if one of his great core values of his deity is to be benevolent and is to be gracious and to be abounding in gifts so that if we line ourselves up with that characteristic and that nature of God, then we're just going to position ourselves to be very, very blessed. In other words, the more we are like God, the more we are going to be very generous and very giving, very appreciative, very full of gratitude. So today we're going to look first of all at the gifts that God gives us. And then secondly, what are some of the gifts uh, that we can bring to God. We are observing the Lord's Supper in just a moment. There's no greater act of worship that we could do today than to take this piece of bread, take this juice, and to digest it. And as we eat it, as we think about it and just ruminate on the greatest gift, and that would be Jesus and His death for us on the cross. Two weeks from today, we get to do something that it really is a highlight for me. I don't know if it, if it is that much for you, but it's the one day of the year 52 Sundays, two of those Sundays coming up are my highlights, they're my favorite. And one of them will be coming up December the 8th, it's our mission service. But before that, November the, 20, uh, November the 24th, the Sunday before Thanksgiving is our annual harvest offering. And if you're new to Great Hills, here's what we do on that day. I just want to prepare you. If you come back, you're like, where's everybody going? Well, what we do is we bring our sacrificial monetary gift. We lay it on the altar. And it's our way of just saying, God, thank you. Thank you in light of the, of the harvest, of the bountiful, I mean, the cornucopia of blessings that you have bestowed upon me and my family. And so, God, just as an act of reverence and as an act of worship, I give you my tithes, my offerings. And above that, God, I want to give you this gift just to say how much I love you, God. I thank you, God, and I thank you for my church. And so we are in a position where we're going to receive those gifts because uh, normally at this time of the year, we are behind in our budgeted expenses, and, and we are, and yet not near as much as we would be if we'd had our debt, but our debt is removed. Praise the Lord, it is removed, but we still find ourselves in, in tremendous need. So I'm asking you to pray with me as my wife and I will be praying and asking God, what do we give? What do we give that day? just in a special way to show our appreciation and thanks to God, number one, and then also for a special thank you to, uh, to our church. So here's our text today. It says, I've shown you in every way, Paul says, by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. Now, this may surprise some of you what I'm about to read next because you, you, you say, well, yes, Jesus said this and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Now, these are not recorded in the Gospels, but these are recorded in the book of Acts, where Paul said that Jesus said these words, it is more blessed to give than it is to what? Do you really believe that? 
You say, well, of course I do. Jesus said it. I, I understand. Good answer. Ding, ding, ding. Good answer. But do you really, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that it is a better existence of living if you are in the position of giving rather than in the position of receiving? There's a passage of scripture, I love it. It's in the, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. I always think about Daniel's dad, Leo, when I, when I read this verse. I, I know this is one of his favorites. It says this in Proverbs eleven twenty-five. I don't know why I'm looking at my notes. I've memorized this, one of my favorite verses in Proverbs. The generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also himself be watered. Generosity, God just seems to have an affinity with generosity. If you see someone who is very, very blessed and, and they see that as a responsibility to be a blessing unto others, I just wanna to submit to you, then that is a prosperous and a blessed soul because they figured out that they are so much more like God when they open up and just be a conduit, just be a vessel that God pours out his favor, his finances, his blessings, all that God gives us. And instead of hoarding it and saying, well, I'm just gonna build a bigger barn or I'm just gonna accumulate more and more. No, what I'd rather do is just be a conduit and just bless others. I tell you, you find that individual, then you need to model that individual and pattern your life after him or her because they have found the secret sauce of life. That it is much more a blessed existence to give than it is in the process of always receiving. So let's look at some of these uh, gifts. Can you, would you look at the screen with me? There are like four or five gifts that I just want to highlight and accentuate with you today. The first and foremost is this one. Ready? Yeah. How about that? For God so loved the world that he gave who? He gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. When I said earlier that the core nature of God, his intrinsic inherent nature, deity. You want to know what the the God of, of Christianity, Almighty Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you really want to understand who He is and how He operates, then John 3, 16 is a beautiful description of God. For God so not hates the world, no. This cosmos that He created, it's part of His handiwork. He spoke it into existence and He loved it so much that every person who's born on this earth, He wants to redeem them and, and restore them back to Himself. So how's He gonna do that? Man, in our sinful nature, there is no way, no matter how much we try, no matter how much money we give, how many good deeds we may, we may give, there's no way that sinful man could ever reach up to God. So God does this, God comes down to us. And that is the distinguishing characteristic in Christianity and all other world religions, all other sects, cults, religions, you name it. The fundamental difference is we could not reach God, so God came down to us and he gave. I love Paul when he says this in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 15. But thanks be to God for, do you see it on the screen there? For his indescribable gift born of a virgin, lived a spotless, sinless life, died my death, a substitutionary, vicarious death, a death that was fraught with suffering, with pain, and with agony, and then placed in a borrowed tomb, and then resurrected. 
And that same power that rose Jesus from the dead abides, remains in me. Up from the grave, he arose and he ascended to the Father. And everybody in all nations and tongues and tribes and people, anybody and everybody that will call upon that name will be forgiven of their sins and they will live forever in heaven. I'm telling you, our God is a gracious, giving God. That's who he is. That is his... That's in his spiritual DNA. I mean, that's who he is. He is intrinsically, inherently, this God is a God of grace and a God of mercy. And he is a God who lavishes, who gives. We come to the Lord's Supper in a few moments. We, we get to relive some of this, this action of God, this giving of God through his son, Jesus. Paul says, for I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus On the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And he, when he had given thanks, he broke it. Why did he break it? Because it was a sign. It was a symbol of what was about to happen to him. His body was about to be mangled and broken and beaten beyond recognition and slaughtered really upon this cross. And so as a token to demonstrate what is about to happen, he says, take and eat this because this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this. Are you with me, Great Hills? Do what? Remember, partake. Many call it communion. Some call it Eucharist. We call it the Lord's Supper. He says, yes, do this. Do this in remembrance of me so that you will always be cognitive. You will always be remembering the sacrifice that I gave for you, that I I gave my very life's blood. I gave my body so that I could be your substitute, so that I could pay your ransom, so that when you died, you didn't have to go to a place called hell. You could go to a place called heaven because I laid down my life for you. In the same manner, he said, he took the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it. Why do we drink it? Because we remember him. We remember his blood that was shed. We remember his body that was broken. I submit to you, exhibit A, number one reason, the greatest gift God has ever given and will ever give is the gift of his son. Hallelujah. What a savior. What a great God, a benevolent, not a malevolent God, not a mean-spirited God, some cosmic deity up there in the atmosphere just waiting to zap us and strike us down. No, he is a gracious God, a, a giving God, a forgiving God saying, I love you so much that I'll give you my very best. All you gotta do is trust in me and believe in me and my life that I will impart to you will be an eternal life. The thief comes. He only comes to steal and kill and to destroy, John 10, 10. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have a pauper's and a miserable and a lowly life. So we all need to tell your faces, that's not it, okay? I've come that you may have life and have it in what? Abundance. Abundant life, a joy-filled life. A life that is often fraught with pain and and suffering and difficulty. And yet, even in the midst of that, God gives us eternal life, abundant life. Hallelujah. Mercy. I could preach another hour just on point A, but we've got to go. So point B is forgiveness. God gives the gracious gift of forgiveness. Ephesians 1, 7 says, in him, we have redemption 
we have this transaction that has happened on the cross. Jesus has died. He is our propitiation. He has he appeased the wrath of God for my sins. And all of this has happened through his blood. And here it comes. As a result, we are forgiven of our sins according to the riches of God's grace. Wow. To err is human, somebody said. And to forgive is divine. Oh. God, you know, if you, you're here today, you, you stand before God guilty and you have sinned, you have disappointed your family, you have disappointed yourself, you have done some things, you have said some things, you have been to some places, and you come into Great Hills Baptist Church today and, and you have this weight of guilt and your conscience has been pierced by, by God and through the worship. Here's what God desires for you. God desires for you to repent, to say, God, I am sorry. Would you please forgive me? And God says, yes, I forgive you because I want you in right relationship with me. I don't want you to be ostracized from me. I don't want you walking at a guilty distance from me. No, I want, I want you to walk with me because as you're walking with me, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be prospered and you're going to enjoy this life. So thank you, God, for Jesus Christ and for forgiveness. Wow, what a, what a grace gift to be forgiven of my sins. All of my sins just washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm in a right relationship with the Father. What an existence. Number three is peace. It's another gift that God gives. Jesus said in John 14, 27, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, so let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. And this is a gift of God, is to have peace with God, to be in a right relationship with Him. Watch this, vertically. And then we can be in a right relationship with other people horizontally. And I, I just have found, I've, I'm learning a lot in my walk with God, in my journey with God, that when I'm rightly related to God, I can't help but be rightly related with my fellow man. If I'm not rightly related to my fellow man, meaning if I harbor unforgiveness or if I have some stinking, putrid, rotten attitude towards somebody else, then I cannot be in good, right standing with God. Because here's the deal. God, he wants us, ooh, here it comes. He wants us to extend the same forgiveness that he has given us. And as we do that, then we have the peace of God. Here's something else I'm learning as I walk through this journey. To have peace with God does not mean we do not have troubles and heartaches and difficulties. What I'm learning, though, more and more is, yes, we are going to have all of those things because we live in a fallen world. There will be cancer. There will be heart disease. There will be broken families. There will be bankruptcies. There will be these difficulties. But here's the thing I'm finding out is that as I know God, I'm experiencing the forgiveness and the love of God, that no matter what comes my way, I can still, I can still have peace. Isn't that a sweet thing? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Some of you are like, well, what's the big deal? I mean, life's not so rough. I'm going to tell you something. Just live a little longer. And you, you will experience some roughness, some troubled, some troubled waters. Your body begins to break down. It just happens. 
Uh, This 50-something-year-old body just can't do what the 20-something-year-old body. I think I can. My mind thinks it can, but it just can't. And so that's just a progression. You know, it's a deterioration. But even in the midst of that, I'm learning, if I will appropriate it, that I have the peace of God. Let me give you another gift that God so lavishly pours upon us, and it is hope. God's gift of peace is for the present, but his gift of confidence for the future is hope. I've never seen that before. I don't have many original ideas, but let let me throw this one out to you one more time. God's gift in the present is peace, but God's gift for the future is confidence and hope. Hope is the confident assurance that no matter what, God is going to take care of it. Who needed to hear that? I'm I'm just curious. I'm going to make that statement again, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're here today and you're saying... I needed to hear that, so let me me give it to you. Now, some of you, it's all right. You're like, man, life is good. I am soaring with the eagles. I am not trotting with the turkeys. I'm telling you, life is so good, and, and my teams are winning. My bank account is thriving. I'm telling you, life is so good. So, Brother Danny, I'm probably not gonna raise my hand. That's okay. That's all right. Amen for you. That's great. But let me just say this. Do you, anybody here need to hear this word? That no matter what, God is winning. He's already won. And he will win. And we as his children can have confident assurance that no matter what, God is with us. God cares for us. God loves us. He's never left us before. He's not going to leave us now. Anybody in the house, just anybody curious? I'm just curious. need to hear that. Well, that's a bunch of us. All of us, at least be reminded of that. Hope. Now may the God of hope. Isn't that interesting? He's described as the God of peace. Now the God of hope. May he fill you with all joy and peace as you believe or as you trust in him. That you may abound in hope, not just get by with scarcity, a pauper's or poverty hope. No, but you would overflow and abound in hope by the power of of the Holy Spirit. Another blessing I want to just remind you of that God gives to us, his children. Well, I just had to say it like this, every material blessing. It's a gift from God. Remember James 1:17 and every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. People you know, they want to argue with me at this point, and that's fine, and, I, and I'm, I'm happy to engage in argumentation and apologetic and so forth. And they say, well, that's not a gift from God. That's me. I did that. I did that. I earned that. I am the reason why I am so blessed. And I just want to ask you a question. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's not you. Who gave you that brain to think like you think? Who gave you the tongue to prosecute the case to win, you know, the attorney's share? Who, who gave you the ability to, to speak? You say, well, I, I build things. Well, who created these fingers? I think it was Isaac Newton who said, just look at your thumb. And you would have to conclude that there is a God. Really? Just look at your thumb. How, how'd that figure, how'd that guy get there, you know? And it fits our fingers, our hands. It's God who graciously gave you that human anatomy and gave you that brain, gave you that intellect, gave you that capacity so that you build a house or you extract teeth as a dentist or you perform surgery as a surgeon. Whatever gift you have, if you boil it down, it is a gift of 
God. And nobody can say, well, I did this on my, no, you didn't. You may have been a good steward. You may have worked hard and so forth. But ultimately, those blessings come from God. And here's the thing. When you recognize that and you start, and I understand, it takes humility. You have to humble yourself and do some soul searching and go, you know what? That's right. Had God not created me, had God not given me these appendages and these hands and these eyes and ears and this brain, this mind, there is no way under the sun I would be able to do the things that I am able to do. So I hope you just appreciate just a few moments today, just some of the, as Thanksgiving comes up and we're ramping up towards Thanksgiving, I, I hope this message encourages you just to be reminded of the manifold gifts of God. So what is our response? Now, what can we give as an expression or as a token of thanksgiving or appreciation? God, thank you for all that you've done for me. So here is my gift to you. And the first one, we've already talked about it a few times this morning. Terry was talking about it a moment ago when he mentioned this word worship, his worship. That is really the natural response to God's manifold blessings to us. Now, you know, worship is kind of like the gospel. It's one of the most misunderstood words in Christianity. Worship, we, a lot of times we relegate worship to that corporate public entity of worship where we come together and we sing songs, some songs we like, some songs we don't like. We're here, we're together. Some sermons I like. Some sermons I don't like, but I'm here. And, and by the way, that is just a modicum. That is just a minuscule part of what the Bible means when it says worship. Worship is everything that you do as an act of love and devotion to God. I mean, think about that. Yes, worship is important publicly and corporately. We're singing. In fact, when we come together and observe the Lord's Supper, it's so much more powerful when we do this as a group, as a family, as a church. So worship, I want, let, me, let me just read this verse to you. And, and it, this touches on it deeply. Romans 12, 1. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your reasonable and proper act of worship. I don't know we put that one on the screen, but ooh, it's Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is your true and reasonable, proper worship when you offer your body as a living sacrifice to God. God, I am yours. I am not my own. Lord, I love you. And the way I live this body in this life and the way I speak to people and the way I help people and the way I live my life, may all of it, God, just be a sweet smelling aroma of fragrance to you, God, is my act of worship. Now, let me just ask something. What do you think pleases or impresses God more? If you come here and sing a song and hear a sermon or if you go out there and actually put into practice what you learned in here, ding, ding, ding. I'm going to give you the answer. It's the latter. It's B. Yes, to be in here and to worship God. It's powerful and we love it and it's momentous and it's life-changing. But when we go out there, 
That is when we put our Christianity into practice. That's where it hits the real live pavement of, I mean, pavement where the rubber hits the road and the water hits the wheel. When we get out of here and we go and live the life that God wants us to live. To me, that's worship. Hebrews 13, 15 says, therefore by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, here it comes, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. One of the more public and demonstrative ways of worshiping God is what we're about to do in a few moments. And it's so sacred. I'm, I'm just, I don't know, the older I get, just the more this, what we're about to do means to me as a Christian because I realize that were it not for his mangled and battered and beaten, bruised, deteriorating body on the cross, then I would not have this forgiveness that I so richly appreciate and enjoy. If he does not shed his blood, if he is not the propitiation, if he is not the sacrifice, and then, then, I, uh, then I stay in my sin and, and I have to deal with my conscience and my guilt and I, don't, and I don't live a prosperous life. I don't live a life that is thriving because I'm, I'm always so busy trying to atone for my sins, but because of Jesus, it changes everything. And, and so we come together and we eat the bread, we drink the juice, and this is an act of worship that we're about to engage in. Paul says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Another act that we can give, that we can respond, another way that we say, God, thank you for all that you've done for me is obedience to you. Now that is just a simple way of saying, God, I appreciate you so much. You have been so generous to me. Everything that I have is a gift from you, so I want to obey you. And I, think, I think a great place to begin in obedience is what Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Y'all remember this? When he asked him about the, the commandments, he says, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and the great commandment. Now, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, obey these two commandments, right? Hang all the law and the prophets. That is called the great commandment. The great commission goes something like this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Now go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I understand that the Bible has a lot of precepts, a lot of directives, and a lot of commandments, but I submit to you that the greatest of these is what I just read to you, and it's called the great commandment. Love God, love each other. It's called the great commission. Go and tell the nations, tell the neighbors, and, and lead them to Christ and baptize them, then teach them meticulously, detail, teach them the ways of God. Mm, let me tell you something. When you and I do that, that is a great act of worship to God, saying, God, to the best of my ability, I'm going to obey what you tell me to do. Now, when we do that, we position ourselves, we posture ourselves under, I mean, we're going to get under the spout where the goodness of God just flows out under us if we obey what God tells us to do. So that's something we can bring to the table. Worship, obedience. The next one 
Ooh, what about that one? So now you've done gone to meddling. Y'all bring it up on the screen? Won't y'all bring it up first, then I'll mention it. Okay, let y'all just kind of think on that one just a minute. So we don't hear a lot about that in, in church. But this really is something tangible material that we can bring in an expression of worship and thanksgiving to God. Now, by the way, for all that God has given to us, this is really interesting. Only one time in the Bible, he says, now, this is what I want you to give to me. And I know this is in the Old Testament. Some of you are not going to like what I'm about to say, but I am going to say it because it's right. Tithing is an Old Testament teaching, and that should be the beginning of New Testament living. He said, well, I don't like that at all, brother. I, I, I was hoping to get out of this thing of giving a 10%. Now you're putting some more percents on me. Here, here's the thing I, I'd like to say to that. Tithing is an Old Testament principle, just like you shall not murder. That's an Old Testament teaching, right? And as I obey God and give a tenth of my income, I don't want to stop there. I want to give him more out of appreciation and thanksgiving for everything that God has given to me. You say, okay, well, show me this in the Bible. I'll believe it, and I'll start tithing today. Yeah, right. Oh, but I'm going to show it to you. Malachi 3.10, I will show it to you, but this is between you and God whether you obey it or not. Bring the tithes in the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this. Wow. Test me, the Lord of hosts, in this. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. If we what? If we give our tithes and our offerings to the Lord. And I'm thinking about this a lot. Let me, let me lay this on you. And then we're about to partake of the Lord's Supper and I can't wait. It's awesome, awesome time. On, on November the 24th, we're going to come and, and we're going to put our tithes, our offerings, our above the tithes, a sacrificial gift. Uh, just saying, thank you, God. Appreciate you, Lord. You're so generous to me. You've blessed me. You've blessed my family. You've blessed Great Hills Baptist Church. And we just want to put this here before you. So maybe if, if you don't tithe, what if you brought a tithe that day? Okay, now stay with me just a second. On that day, you bring whatever the, the tithe is that if you made um, $20 in that week, you brought $2 to the Lord, right? If you made 20000 which is not uncommon for some of you, you make $20,000 that week, then you brought $2, uh, $2,000, amen, don't you wish, that you, brought, that you bring $2,000 and you present it as an offering uh, to, to the Lord. Now, here's the thing. If you do that, tell me how that works out for you. No, no, I'm serious. Let me know how that works out for you. Because here's the thing about God. He says one time in the Bible, try me. Test me and give in your tithes and see what I will do. Here's the thing. God's so amazing. So, well, be careful, Brother Danny. You're, you're venturing out into the prosperity gospel. No, I'm not. If, if the prosperity gospel has any opponent in Christianity, it's me. Because I just deplore that wealth and health prosperity that says, God, I gave you this now. You are obligated to do this for me. Here's the thing about God. If you do what he says, hold on to your pants. Hold on to yourself because God will bless you. It may be finances. 
It may be something greater than finances. The older I get, you know what I appreciate more than finances? You say, well, please heaven, tell me, because I can't think of anything more and better than that. It's my health. It's my, and my family. And my joy. And my peace. Hey, how about this? What about if God, if I tithe and be obedient, serve God, and God protects me from something that may have been coming my way, I'm telling you, God is true to his word. If you do what he says he wants you to do, I'm just telling you, folks, I'm telling you, God is amazing. He blesses us in ways, sometimes it's financial. (laughs) We all appreciate that. I know we do. But sometimes it's even better than that. You say, where did you get that? Well, it's from the Bible. The generous soul will be made rich. And he who waters will also himself be watered. And God sees the attitude of our heart. So at this time, I really want us to just enter into, dive into this act of worship where we partake of the elements. And it's a time where we give back to the Lord. It's just a time of saying, God, we, we lift up our voices to you. We lift up this bread and this juice. And we just want to ingest it. We want to take it. And, we, and as we do it, God, we just want to say, thank you, God. We love you, God. So Father, now prepare us. Prepare our hearts, Jesus, as we come to the sacred. It's really solemn moment. It's such a sweet time, God. I pray even now as our deacons, as they come and as they prepare to serve us these elements, may we receive them, Lord, with joy. Even though, Lord, it's a somber time, it's a sobering time, it's a time where we reflect upon your crucifixion, Lord, there is, there is peace here. There is grace. There's appreciation. So help us, Lord, even now as we take the bread, as we take the juice. Lord, may we just, may we just thank you. Even now, would, would you just join me and just, just tell God how much you love him? Is there something in your life right now that you would say, God, it's not pleasing to the Lord? Would you confess that to the Lord? Would you say, Lord, this was wrong and I'm sorry, please cleanse me, forgive me. Hey, has there ever been a time where you received God's forgiveness in Christ in him? We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Has there ever been a time where you received God's mercy and grace for the very first time? If not, then do that. Do it now. Confess your sins. Repent. Believe on Jesus. And I say, come. Come and celebrate what God has just done for you by partaking of these elements. Lord, we love you. We commit this time to you. We're excited about it, and we're very, very grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.